What's going on, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the State of the Nova Nation podcast presented by VU Hoops. I'm Emma Houghton. He's Pat Zhang. And we hope you are ready, Nova Nation. I'm sure you can already hear it in my voice. This is the first recap episode of the 22-23 season. Villanova is coming off Kyle Neptune's first win as head coach of the Villanova Wildcats, an 81-68 victory at home over LaSalle. First recap episode, Pat. You were there. How you feeling? And how you feeling about this episode? Hey, Jay Wright didn't go undefeated as Villanova head coach. Kyle Neptune's undefeated <laughs> as Villanova head coach. It's a good start. <laughs> exactly. No, it felt good. It was just awesome to be back in the pavilion. Atmosphere was great. I think the crowd gave a huge welcome to Kyle Neptune as he walked out to the bench for the first time, as he got introduced. Uh, of course, always exciting to be back for another season of Villanova basketball and at such a beautiful home that is the Fenrin Pavilion. Yeah, the broadcasters on the Fox Sports app, which I know people we will talk about in a little bit, mentioned, of course, notice that I mentioned the app, but they said that all nine Villanova head coaches have won their first game. So that's pretty cool. Kyle Neptune stays in that. Of course, this, you know, if, if Kyle Neptune dropped this game, I think we would have had larger issues, but we'll appreciate it where it counts. And while this game, I think the score showed that it might have been a lot closer than it ever really was, but I'm really glad Neptune got the credit and appreciation and maybe gratitude that he deserved at the beginning because that's not something we talked too, too much about last week in our team episode, team preview episode. And we also did the schedule breakdown if you haven't listened to either of those. But I think it gives people some comfortability knowing that Neptune has been here before, not in this specific role, but he knows what it's like to be in the pavilion and feel the fans and home home opener, season opener, all that. I think he probably was nervous going into the game, but settled in a little bit once the ball actually was tipped. Yeah, we discussed it a little bit, but there is that level of stability, of course, with him coming in. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure we'll just also discuss uh, some things stayed the same. Some things changed a little bit. Yep. It's Of course, it's game one. We are going to be analyzing these trends over the course of the season, over the course of his tenure. Um, but we got our first hints finally today at how he would act as a head coach after months of speculation. I'm kind of feeling like we should start there, actually. Sure. Differences and similarities. I'll, sh- I'll start. The personnel is obviously different. So... No matter what, the talent level is different this year than it was last year because you lost the Bob Cousy Award winner, you lost Jermaine Samuels, who is a five-year veteran, and you lost Justin Moore to a torn Achilles, who was the second-leading scorer on that team. So the personnel is different. That means the game plan is going to be different. But generally, this team still played like a well-oiled machine, and I think all that credit goes to Kyle Neptune. I am so excited to to talk about depth and starting lineup and – the offense and how the defense looked, but my general takeaway, and this was a similarity, was just how strong these guys looked. All of, I tweeted this right after the game. All Every single player on that roster looked significantly stronger and more confident with the ball than they did last season. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of that goes into just Koshak 
you know, being the best strength coach in the country. Um, these guys really do load up year after year. All you have to do is look at Eric Dixon from year one oh, when yeah. he came in to Eric Dixon now and how much leaner and more athletic he is. Uh, and I, I think it was a lot of fun to be able to watch that out there. I do think you you saw progression from some guys. I will say I don't think you saw progression from everyone out there on night one. Um, but we can jump further into that in a bit. Take it now. Take it now. Yeah. Uh, you're going to make now. me go negative right off the bat. That was. No, no. Take it how you feel. But we can keep going with similarities and differences if you feel more comfortable. But I generally thought that conditioning wise and general confidence stayed the same. But t- but tell me who specifically you were thinking about. Yeah. I mean, I say if you're looking at who stepped forward a bit again, I was very impressed with Jordan Longino. I think mm-hmm. he's going to continue to, to develop into a star here. I was happy to see him in the lineup. Of course, we know there were some reports that came out from the Philly Inquirer a little earlier this morning about potentially missing this game. So it's a really nice sign that he was out there and he was in the starting lineup. This may not be the breakout year for Longino. You may have to wait a year on that, but I think we're going to continue to see really good things from him. And I think he's going to continue to try and solidify himself as a key cog uh, in this lineup it would be crazy to go anywhere else than to really harp on Eric Dixon and Caleb Daniels because they truly were the two focal points out there today. We mentioned it last week and said, hey, is are we going to see Tulane Caleb Daniels? Oh, yeah. I think we saw Tulane Caleb Daniels out there at the Pavilion on Monday night. 24 points, 6 of 7 from 3. And what I will say about those threes as well, maybe one or two were uncontested. I mean, they, they were difficult shots that he was forced into there and he drilled most of them. So really impressive. And of course we know what Eric Dixon can bring in. And I think he's going to further that development as well this year. And he came out firing in game one. Yeah. Starting with Daniels, we, we, we wondered who would be the guy taking the shot at the end of the game. I think any questions we had were pretty much to race. He had a career high in three point shooting in the first game as the primary scorer of this 23 squad. So that pretty much gets rid of any doubts anybody might have had. He might not be the prototypical Nova score that we've had in the past few years, but yeah, the, the two lane point is a really, really good one. He hasn't had to be the primary scorer since he was at Tulane uh, three years ago, four years ago with the transfer r- rules. It feels so long ago at this point. He's been the periphery player coming off the bench. This is the first time he was really able to, to take the reins and he did and Dixon was the front runner in my mind when it came to conditioning as well his footwork was lethal I think a general takeaway was for the most part until the game got stagnant towards the middle and end of the second half I didn't think this team settled for shots again at least until it was a 20-point game but Dixon was really the guy who who got that going because he was so lethal down low. Of course, the tests will come when he plays the Kalkbrenners and the Sonogos and the Croswells, all the big men of the Big East. But this was a good showing to really put a stake on his spot and how he can really compete down the stretch when we get into conference play. Yeah, absolutely. And I know we're going to talk a little bit about similarities and differences in terms of coaching, but if we talk about a difference year over year, of course, it's impossible to ignore, as mentioned that Colin Gillespie and Jermaine Samuels are not there. So Nova has to kind of rework that shot distribution chart and see who are getting those shots and who's putting it up. Eric Dixon had 17 field goal attempts today to lead the team. That is a career high for Dixon with those 17 field goals. He came out really hot in the first half, 
struggled a bit in the second half. As you said, I think the footwork is strong. However, it was still left, left, left every single time. I would really like to see him be able to keep defenses a little more honest and show a bit of a fade to the right here. He is a physical monster. So even if defenses know that's where he's going, there are many opportunities where he's just going to finish over them and through them anyway, but would love to see some variety there. I don't want to take things away from Eric Dixon because I do think he was phenomenal. His movement was very good. He had the one cut to the basket and finished with a slam. That was great basketball IQ to be able to get into the lane there. Um, And he's going to be a player that really is going to, I think Daniels is going to be your leading scorer this year. He is going to be the one bearing the brunt going forward, but Dixon is going to be that secondary option. Um, And so with him progressing also second on the team in assists, really being able to move that ball from around the post, he was out uh, around the three point line as well. I was happy with what I saw from Eric. I, I think there's still steps to take, I think we can still work on diversifying that offensive game, but in game one, after a strong season a year ago, you're feeling good. Yeah. Who carried the momentum? I do think it'll be easier for opposing defenses to pick up on that left-hand movement even more so than last year. They have just so much more tape now, but just watching his progression from the limited time he had his red shirt freshman year, when he would get the ball down low and just immediately look to pass outside. And actually, I felt like we're recording this right after the game tonight. He almost didn't see good shots outside because he was so focused on putting up his own shot, which I'm not saying was a bad thing at this point in time right now. You don't have the same personnel, like I said at the beginning, that you had when you can pass it out to Colin and know that he was going to sink that shot. Not taking anything away from Daniels or Slater or any of the other shooters on this team. But it'll be interesting to see if A, the brunt of the offense continues in this way. Of course, we're pulling from an extremely small sample size right now. If that continues to to direct upwards and B, if Dixon can handle that, because that's a ton of offensive and defensive pressure for one guy to take on. Absolutely. And, And one of the questions we looked at just a week ago was, is Eric Dixon going to attempt more three-pointers this year Mm. we know how effective he was from deep a year ago though it was a pretty small sample size considered over the course of a season dixon shot four which may not sound like a ton to you but that is also a career high in three points was it it was so we are seeing you know he is going to take a lot more shots this year i think that's a good thing overall the other part of how i look towards eric dixon's kind of progression here is frank dumphy and lasalle was very aggressive in bringing double teams on Eric Dixon uh, to, to try and force him into some bad moves, see if they can get him to pick up a dribble or so. He finished with zero turnovers, and I think most of the time he made the right play. So, again, I think there are building blocks here or some things to continue to look to progress, but a very strong game win. Yeah, the only significant minutes holder who didn't have any turnovers. That's where I was going to go, and I'll take that to another similarity as well. This team still does a really good job holding the ball. Arch had two turnovers. Armstrong had two. Generally, this team is going to stick by its ways last year, which is a slower tempo than most, really, really good ball handling, and not settling for shots. They'll take you down to the buzzer on uh, the shot clock if the team gives it to them. And I think we'll see more of that, especially if the shooting can continue to prove from perimeter guys. That's still going to be really really tough to guard and then just transitioning to Armstrong in general and I guess this can get into our uh our rotation (laughs) which is about just as different 
from last year as I think you could ever imagine, mm. ever imagine based on the conversations we were having last year. There's but a I lot did, of youth in those minutes off the bench. And I thought Armstrong, if there were doubts about him, it was when it came to his ball handling skills. And I was pleasantly surprised in that first game. Yeah, I, th- I thought the ball handling was the the biggest plus um, yeah. from Armstrong that you were able to see some real skill with the ball, some real quickness and some real maneuverability, which I believe will only further develop throughout the season here. You lead me into one of my points that will kind of go through uh, sporadically throughout here of differences between Jay Wright and Kyle Neptune that I think was pretty noticeable um, on night one here of the Neptune era. And that was... You mentioned the two turnovers turnovers with Mark Armstrong. They came on back-to-back possessions. Mm. What did not happen? Mark Armstrong did not get chained to the bench for the rest of the half. If that happened as Jay Wright as the coach, I can guarantee you that Mark Armstrong would not have seen action for the rest of the half. I believe they happened around the six or seven minute mark left um, in that first half. And Neptune rode him out there, which... I thought that was a really good sign because at least how I look at it um, philosophy wise is there's a ton of talent to tap into here. Yes, there are going to be some bumps in the road, but that's how a talented freshman like Mark Armstrong is going to learn. So let him stay out there. Let him deal with turning the ball over twice and let's see how he responds to it. And let's see where he goes from there. I loved that he didn't have the quick hook on Armstrong that we saw with seemingly every other freshman that has come through this program over the last couple of years. Yeah. And this is the time to be making those mistakes too. And say what you will about your thoughts on Jay's decisions last year to only play the experienced guys, but no matter what he pigeonholed himself by the end of the year to only play the older guys, because the freshmen would be guaranteed to make mistakes in the big East tournament or the NCAA tournament because they hadn't played all year. So you might as well, let the freshmen and the sophomores because they aren't immune to it either because mm-hmm. of the lack of playing time last year let them make their mistakes this year i don't think those two turnovers are punctuating anybody's minds as the biggest keys of the game for marks on mark armstrong you know people are going to get over it. it i think you could still see a lot of positives in his game and i totally agree with you this is the time that they should be experimenting we mentioned I'm that on the team preview. They should be experimenting with this rotation. Yeah, they, they certainly should right now. And I, I am very excited with Armstrong. He led all players on the bench in 17 minutes. I think he showed that range there with two threes that he drilled. He was a very strong on-ball defender. He was up in LaSalle's face. Um, yeah. Yes, he he did have one foul on it. But in a game where I think a lot of reach-ins were really called, he was not a, a huge offender of that, which is very you know, great to see for someone that's playing in his first collegiate game, trying to get used to the speed of the game, all those things. It didn't pass him by as someone who wasn't ready for it. So I think he's going to grow. I I talked about it last week. I firmly believe that he should be in the starting lineup and that he's got a chance to get into the starting lineup as we progress throughout the season here. And uh, I come away from this game feeling the same way. Yeah. Sixth man off the bench. So I'll ask you, First impressions when the starting five came out and Arch was in there. Oh, wow. You, you want me to just go straight for it? <laughs> I, I have I to ask. I, I won't repeat. I will not repeat the words I sent to my uh, Villanova buddies um, in a text, <laughs> but I was a little disappointed by it. I was not surprised. Of course, we knew Dixon Slater and Daniels were going to be in there. Uh, Longino, if healthy, should be a starter. 
And then it kind of leaves you with that, that last spot. I talked about it last week. I would rather ride the youth, whether it be an Armstrong or a Brizzy there. Uh, I understand why he went with Chris Archdiacono, just understanding the experience that he brings to the program. He is a known quantity at this point. Uh, usually holds on to the ball, though I don't think he did a great job of that out there tonight. Um, yeah, it's not the lineup I would have gone with, but I get it. Yeah. I think that the other elephant in the room here is that this was Kyle Neptune's first game, and we saw Jay Wright play Archie Diacono far more than he maybe should have last year. So it would have been, it just would have been a very big deal to me if Neptune's first decision was to bench Arch. Don't you think that would have been monumental in his first game? And it'd be one thing if Armstrong and yeah, I guess Brizzy is a little different because he was in the system last year. But Armstrong's a freshman, and freshmen haven't played in however many years. So it didn't surprise me. That's that's what I thought was going to happen. That being said, I wouldn't be surprised if Arch starts one more game or if his minutes continue to decrease because he did play a lot. He played almost 30 minutes out there tonight, which was more than I expected uh, compared to Armstrong's 17 and Brizzy's 13. So I think we're going to see switches in that, but I thought you had to go with the known quantity in game one. Yeah, and I, I do want to credit him because I, I don't just want to kill him. I, I think in the first half, he actually did play some pretty solid on-ball defense. Um, LaSalle certainly targeted him, targeted him off the dribble and targeted him early, trying to exploit kind of some quickness there. And I thought he was able to stay with the LaSalle guards uh, a pretty decent job. I thought in the second half, things started to fall off a little bit. I don't think he initiated the offense particularly well. And I think in a lot of opportunities, he actually just brought the ball up and immediately gave it to a, a Daniels or, or a Slater or a Longino and kind of moved to more of an off ball position there. Um, but we did see some good things defensively. He did knock down a three. It is what it is. Yeah, I feel the same way. And, and that brings me into one of my questions, which is, when we did see the game get stagnant and when LaSalle did go on some of those offensive runs, it was because guys tried to do too much. There was much less passing and there was much sloppier shot selection. And you do have to wonder if that's because the facilitators on offense for Villanova are just so much less experienced than Gillespie and Moore were last year. So one of my huge questions and then this will lead to more discussion about Brizzy and Armstrong and Arch as well, is will point will having a point guard by committee, which is what I think it will be until at least conference play and we see more established minutes for guys, will that up will that end up being strength or will we see it just put more pressure on Daniel Slater and Dixon to try and score immediately when they get the ball? I think it's fine. Uh, I think it's also vindication of a question that's been asked about this Villanova team where it's okay, who is the lead guard, you know, when, when Justin Moore is out the lead ball handler. And I think the answer was they're not really confident that there are hundred percent is one out there Mm -hmm. right now. Uh, I think Caleb Daniels is the one that I would feel the most comfortable with. I understand he has most certainly been more of a two guard during his time here at Villanova, but I trust him with the ball in his hand. I think he's one that can initiate offense and really make things happen. But I 
also see, you know, it, it's fine to go with a point guard by committee while things kind of get figured out, while you test the waters with a Mark Armstrong, with an Angelo Brizzy. See, you know, Jordan Longino's fine to be able to bring the ball up, see what Caleb Daniels can do. You know, Chris Archdiakono can handle it. So I I have a comfort level in going with a with a more lead ball handler by committee. I don't think it's a negative per se, but I also do think it uh it kind of justifies some questions we've had about it. Yeah, I also thought it was fine tonight. The other thing is to put some perspective on this conversation. This is because Moore and Whitmore are hurt. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you know, we could be having this conversation not having both of those guys in the wings just waiting on them to get healthy. This could just be the team. And I still think we would be in the top 25, potentially second weekend discussion in March. So just keep that in mind. The other thing is, I think you can have a conversation definitely not about more but about Whitmore about whether Villanova's most talented two players are currently hurt and more and Whitmore I do think Dixon and Slater and Daniel should get more credit but one thing you can't argue is that more and Whitmore are the best shot creators on the team so to put up 81 points against a really scrappy LaSalle defense and to have this few questions in terms of how is this team going to win games is is pretty it's not a bad argument to have let's just say that considering that again these two guys are just waiting to get healthy at this point yeah the the whole team dynamic changes when you're able to substitute out Archdiacono and Longino for more and and Whitmore and then be able to <laughs> yeah. bring Longino off the bench um, that that's a lineup that I think will get a lot of people very, very giddy if Villanova is able to get to that full health and be able to play those five out there. Um, so a- as you said, as they experiment now and try and, try and find themselves, which it, it's experimentation to a point because remember, we have no idea when Justin Moore is coming back. And yeah. in all honesty, uh, we'll see if Kyle Neptune gives an update tonight as we record this, but we don't really know when Cam Whitmore is coming back either. So they've kind of got to figure things out for themselves too. It can't just be let's hold down the fort until these guys come back because we just there with the injuries that were suffered and the type of injuries, we don't know when that's going to be. Yeah. And that's, I, and that's, I think a huge reason why you see extended minutes for a Trey Patterson and you see extended minutes for Armstrong and Brizzy, because you're right there. There is a, a scenario where it's worst case scenario for both guys. And you don't want to pigeonhole yourself there at all yeah uh, let's we talk about some similar some uh, wow we talk about some similarities let's try that again i didn't drink too much at the game i promise <laughs> um and one thing you mentioned there uh, earlier was pacing uh i know personally for me i had hoped to see villanova push the ball a little bit more here with neptune in and knowing that they're hey there is some athleticism with mark armstrong angelo brizzy and jordan longino or brand slater out there on the floor they didn't really do that. It was still yeah. a pretty methodical approach on offense. What'd you think there? Yeah, I would be surprised if that's also a work in progress. I don't know if we're ever going to see an offense run by Daniels and Slater that's fast paced. I just think they've been in it for too long where that would surprise me. But when Whitmore's in there, I, I think this is just going to get faster and faster. Yeah, I, I think so too. He his strength is really running in transition, um, right. and you add that with some of the other really versatile and athletic guys that I just rattled off there, and I feel like Villanova has a chance to. It might not be their identity. Villanova's identity has really been in that slower uh, initiated offense, but 
they have a chance to make themselves dangerous in transition, which would be a very nice wrinkle um, to a, to a Villanova team that we haven't seen in a bit. Yeah. But yeah, now that you say that I actually don't didn't come away from this game thinking that transition play was a strength. No, I did not. it's a little bit disappointing because we saw flashes of that when Antoine came in last year. So oh, you would hope you that was magic player <laughs> with more players like in his DNA of in this year, you would hope that that would be there, but you're also having first minutes for the majority of these guys that came off the bench. So I'm not shocked, but you're, you're right. It would be really, really dangerous if Villanova can be as strong as on defense as they usually are as methodical on offense, but can also push the pace at will. We'll we'll see. It's game one. You know, it, yeah. there's plenty That's the of thing. room That's the thing. for growth. This is just some trends that we are following. And as we said, it, it's the first hint of how Kyle is going to coach this team. So just trying to draw any observations based off of that. Yeah. One thing I also wanted to ask you about, I don't know if we specifically said the word red shirt in our team preview, but Brendan Housen saw eight minutes. So I'd have to refresh myself about what the exact red shirt restrictions are but if you were at all wondering if Hausen would get that red shirt like we've seen from the scrappier smaller guards like the Brizzies of the past I'm not sure I'm getting that impression after the first game I was surprised I I did have and I kind of uh, used the word wow I'm gonna use hinted three times in a podcast (laughs) <laughs> but I kind of hinted at it last week saying I, I wasn't sure how much we were going to see of Housen. It would not yeah. have shocked me if he was in for a red shirt, but no, eight minutes played. That does not sound like a, a red shirt year to me. I can't totally. say I was blown away by anything I saw in eight minutes, but it's his first eight minutes as a Villanova basketball player. I don't think he did anything wrong by by any means but i just don't think he did anything to stand out there which is fine he'll still he'll find his footing he didn't even have a chance to attempt a three though he did get open with some of his off-ball movement i was watching for that and was impressed by that if he's out there you know he can add another dimension to this team uh, especially from deep so he's a role that i will most certainly be following uh, especially through november and early december yeah and i don't have any specific thoughts on Trey Patterson's play either 11 minutes I I think this was a career high for him probably right probably 11 minutes he had one really bad defensive set and then following that he had a pretty good one where he forced a steal for me it's just adding to that depth and maybe that's why Housen doesn't redshirt because something that actually made me laugh a little bit is that Longino fouled out of this game he did and it didn't really seem to matter because this team is so deep. And that's potentially without not an Njoku, who we can talk about in a little bit. And maybe Trey Patterson not being, again, living up to that potential that we all hope. But I'll let you take Patterson because you seem to be on the edge of your seat about it, Pat. Tell me what you're thinking. <laughs> I would say, remember, though, in terms of being deep, they're deep in terms of bodies. They were yes. not deep in terms of impact. They only had eight points off Production. the bench today. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yes, there are a bunch of young players as well. We'll see how they grow. And it's not the even first close game. to the finished product. Yeah. Uh, first game. Yeah. For, for Trey Patterson, again, game one. Um, this is year now 2.5 for Trey uh, in, the, in the program. He was a pretty heralded recruit. I do expect more from him out there I again really wasn't all that impressed by what I saw defensively he just he, it doesn't feel like he's he fully comfortable in that system 
offensively. He doesn't, you know, initiate or, or get too involved with things. We'll see how things shift for him. I think he has the opportunity to play in a larger role this year, just with some of the openings and, and being able to bring some front court depth or some more depth on the wing. But I wasn't exactly encouraged from what I saw in game one. Yeah, something I worry about, and this is also one of my remaining questions after this game, this team can look pretty small at times. And I think it gives them an advantage to have a guy like Patterson off the bench. feels like all we've talked about for the last two and a half years is how he's this unique hybrid of forward. But if he's not doing a lot on either end of the court, then it actually becomes a little bit of a liability because you can't go all the way small or you can't go all the way big. So he's he has to be able to find an identity either on the defensive end mm-hmm. or on the offensive end because that was Slaver's role for a few years when he yes, was the defense first Amen. guy and that's totally okay but you didn't see huge potential on either end of the court in those 11 minutes I just need to see more I I think yeah. it can be in there I am not ruling that out at all and I sure hope we will see more but it, it just for I think this is a very important year for Trey uh, understanding that this is year 2.5 and this is an opportunity to really grow that grow that role and he did not take that opportunity from game one like I think many of us would have liked to have seen yeah or hoped he also was dealing with the hernia injury Fair so enough. this is another thing I feels like I learned about four more injuries today than I hadn't known about before they're killing so, each other in practice they really are. <laughs> it, it really seems like it we so Caleb I'm out sure... there in a mask like it, it's a mess yeah. out there <laughs> you, you put it perfectly Pat and I talked right before we started about what the uh tone of this podcast was going to be I guess is the best word for it we both said positive with some bumps and I think tr- you could label Trey Patterson as one of those bumps that you hope evens itself out a little bit as the season goes on hey we just want to call it as it is you know we're we're excited villanova's one and oh kyle neptune's off with a start but that doesn't mean there aren't things to be worked on and looked at and that's all we're trying to do and can i say another thing too lasalle was better than i thought oh the second i really want to give credit to fran dumpy um yeah coming out in the second half listen lasalle outscored villanova in the second half and put up 45 points if you're again looking for something that wasn't great it was that uh josh nickelberry was very, very good, put up 22 points, was five of nine from beyond the arc and really gave Villanova some problems there. But I thought LaSalle in the first half was pretty sloppy. They took some very bad shots, like very bad, um, that just didn't make any sense. They really came out the second half and gave Villanova some issues, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, I was impressed by what Dumphy did there and I know LaSalle was picked to finish towards the bottom of the A-10, but you know they gave Villanova a run and made things uneasy down the stretch at the Fenneran Pavilion. I think they can hold their heads high, leaving the main line. Pat, were you there when the starters went back in? Had you left by that point? I left at the one-minute mark when Dumphy called a timeout so I could get back and record this podcast for Nova. You're so dedicated, man. I had to. I usually like to stay for the whole game, but... I did not want to get caught in traffic. No, it was wrapped up. This. Yeah. It was wrapped up, but uh, Neptune had taken all the starters out. Slater was shooting free throws. He got taken out. And then Dumphy was playing so hard in the final 20 seconds or so that the five starters went back in. <laughs> he pressed Nova the entire game. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was, it was impressive. I'm all for it. It was, like I said, the 81 to 68, it's a lot closer than... This game really appeared. I never thought it was even a remote possibility that LaSalle was going to take it within a possession or two. 
But yeah, I think they can make some noise in the Big Five. I think they can make some noise in the A10. And I'm really glad you said that because it reminded me something of I wanted to make sure we didn't miss before we got off here in a little bit. Fatigue down the stretch, huge buzzword last year. I would say so. How you feeling about it this year? I will. I think we will feel really good about it if we get those guys back healthy yeah. and are able to go through it. Um, I still think it was a pretty solid manage distri- distribution. You know, 17, 13, 11, and 8 is not bad. From the bench, I'd be more concerned, as I said, kind of with the production being that there wasn't a ton um, coming out of that there. But minutes-wise, Caleb Daniels played 36 as, as your leader. I think he's going to play close to that, if not more, every single night. Yeah. So Caleb, ice those likes because uh, <laughs> a, a lot of this season is going to hinge on what he's able to do, especially early. Yeah, he's going to be called upon a lot. And I'm really glad you made the point about depth by body so far instead of depth by production. But that also is another way to combat the fatigue down the stretch argument. So oh, regardless of what those guys are doing, I'm sure a lot of people can remember times last year when if Gillespie had been on the bench just two or three more minutes, we might have had some different results in those games. But no, I feel the same way. I, I thought the offense looked sloppy and the defense, frankly, at times towards the end of the second half. But again, it was more so because of forcing shots than these guys looked gassed down the stretch. I, I think there's a much, much more of an emphasis on putting a lot of different legs on the floor, which I think is a good thing. Yeah. Can, can we talk about one of those guys with the extra legs here as kind of oh, the yeah. last one we haven't touched on? And that's Angelo Brizzy, uh, a player that I was quite excited to see get out there of course understanding he did redshirt from a year ago really did bulk up we talk about strength he looks a lot bigger and a lot leaner uh than when we first saw him enter the main line um just a year ago here total 13 minutes i don't think he did anything explosive out there but you saw flashes of potential which kind of goes back to my earlier argument about armstrong is when i see those flashes of potential it kind of whets the appetite and makes you wonder about what can happen as their experience continues to grow. And as they get thrown into more opportunities, I liked what I saw from Angelo Brizzy. I think I saw him, uh, you know, underneath the basket and really trying to get on the boards. He had four rebounds coming yeah. off the bench for it. I think you saw some quickness around the perimeter. I felt fine with the ball being in his hand. He did have the one turnover there. He got torched on defense uh, on, on one back cut, which wasn't great. But again, as we talk in differences here, Kyle Neptune did not pull him right off the bat and left him out here. And then one of my favorite moments from this game here was Angelo Brizzy was called for a foul on a ball that he jumped in quite honestly, from my view, did not look like a foul. It looked like a clean steal. Brizzy was pissed off. Very clear. Mm -hmm. Caleb Daniels actually grabbed him by the hips and, and tried to calm him down. As he got substituted out of the game right after that, Kyle Neptune pulled him over and they probably talked for about 45 seconds with Kyle explaining things. I loved that from Kyle in his first game to take a player, a young player clearly was very emotional out there, thought he got the steal to calm him down and kind of center him and have Brizzy go back out there a little later in the game. Uh, just, just a little anecdote from, from one thing I saw there, but I, I want to see Angelo really grow in this role. And I'm happy that he got 13 minutes off the bench in game one. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, very well said. I don't have much to add. He had potentially the defensive stop around the two-minute mark that iced the game. Iced is a, uh, you know. Yeah, we'll take it. Yeah, exactly. You know, not that LaSalle was actually going to come back, but a nice defensive stop. 
I thought he would be a little bit more explosive offensively, but there was enough to go around that I, I'm not going to harp on it too much. I really like that anecdote you brought up. He's He's got the work ethic. You can tell that right away. He's really well liked. You can tell that team chemistry has not taken a hit at all in Jay Wright's absence. And that, that was a really good thing to see too. Yeah, had, had my second favorite uh, jumper of the game, too, where he, he got a LaSalle defender up in the air with the, the pump fake moved in and made the oh, range J, which was great. Unfortunately, cannot top the Jordan Longino step back three, which was oh just God. gorgeous yeah. uh, to watch here. But uh, good progression from Brizzy and someone who, again, I want to see continue kind of grow that minute share and, and grow in, in how much of a role he has on offense. I wouldn't have been surprised if Longino pulled a Steph and just started walking down the court. Once he put that <laughs> three-point shot up. I, I don't, I don't know day, if I've ever seen a shot that was that destined to go in. It was beautiful. And that three-pointer by Longino. Oh, my God. It, it gets you pretty pumped. I'm excited to see how this team progresses shooting-wise. I, again, I, I said it. I think you disagreed with me. I don't, I don't think we can argue over the fact that this team is not as talented from a shooting perspective as last mm-hmm. year. Yep. But I, I agree. Seeing how much Dixon shot the ball. Seeing how many three-pointers he took seeing how many young guys you have experimenting with their offensive roles. I wouldn't be surprised if we see less shooting with Cam Whitmore and his style of play coming into the fold, hopefully sooner rather than later. I wouldn't be surprised if there's less emphasis on the three-point shot. I think that also goes hand in hand with the tempo. And unfortunately, we only have 40 minutes to pull from. <laughs> but as we get deeper into the season, those that's going to be a big thing I watch because I think this team has the potential to work with their personnel and move away from that shoot them up, sleep in the streets mantra that we've gotten so used to. Yeah. I mean, you were definitely a little more bullish on their three point shooting than me last week, but I was more so. Yes. I I think so. You were, you're talking about how many shooters were on the team and I have some questions around the shooting, Mm -hmm. but they shot 65% from deep today. Yeah. So I would would leave that more in your corner. Uh, It helps when Caleb Daniels goes six of seven um from beyond the arc um but uh, i'm interested as well in how this offense is kind of going to transform throughout the year and and wondering how much of an emphasis will be on that three ball i'm sure it still will be because kyle neptune comes from the school of jay Wright. there are guys that we know can knock it down i know slater didn't hit one but he really progressed as a a nice three-point shooter from a year ago i think we'll see it but just something to watch totally yeah i'm excited but generally i think this was I don't, I don't think anyone should ever be hitting their head against the wall after the first game of the season. I think there are a lot of positives. There are some bumps. There are definitely some things to watch out for. And especially as we get into harder and harder competition, I don't know if this team is ready to face UNC in the PK Invitational. I don't know if this team is ready to face Michigan State in just a few weeks right now. But you can tell that there's a lot of promise. And I think that's all you can really ask for after game one. A good step forward, a good first step. Um, win one under the belt. Yeah, gets him... that monkey off yeah. his back. Not that exactly. there was ever a doubt, but he doesn't have to think about it anymore. Makes you breathe a little easier if you're yeah. Kyle Neptune. And as we said, yes, of course, there are things to look at here uh, that we want to see grow or that maybe we're thrilled with, but you come away feeling, I think, pretty positive from game one. Yeah, and also, how'd you feel about um, Big Five being first? We We had our first impressions about it, but when it actually came down to it, I liked it. You know, it's different. I I like it. I do. I like having a little bit of extra intensity, knowing these games mean something, knowing that you're playing for that big five title and it's hitting you right out the gates. 
Uh, we'll yeah. see if our opinion changes on that when Villanova goes to Temple on Friday, mm. which we will discuss on <laughs> Thursday's episode. That yeah. is not an easy game, something we will, again, go go much more through on the next episode here. But I like the added juice to the start of the season rather than just your normal, okay, let's get things started with random, smaller, uh, out-of-conference opponent. This was on a lot of people's games to watch list tonight and i don't think it was just because of neptune's first game i genuinely think it was because this is one of the more notable matchups when you've got teams playing teams that have barely just transitioned to the d1 level so i I like it I'm, i'm personally of the opinion that we should be playing bigger games at the beginning anyway are you saying that this was a better matchup than baylor against mississippi valley state what about xavier morgan state come on now that actually wasn't that actually wasn't it was a 96 73 so actually that was not that bad they were definitely worse you would say the same thing about creighton st thomas minnesota but creighton's up seven right now with seven minutes left so i was uh, just gonna say it's uh it's potentially too real for creighton fans as we speak now they're gonna win that game and if they don't uh we can all play this back and uh and laugh at me uh yeah we'd love that (laughs) radford's close too go brian antoine yeah all right, cool. Yeah, I, I'm. I absolutely love our recap episodes. It's nice having just this to talk about. I know that we threw a lot of content at all of our listeners last week, but hopefully you enjoyed those. Definitely take a listen if you have been. We've got a lot more content coming down the stretch, and now it's fun that we actually have some games to talk about, Pat. We've That's always what we game, yeah. what we prefer. We've got some games. You don't have to just hear us go through our, our talking points and all the games that are coming up on the schedule. We can actually talk about what happened here. Uh, But we did take a look at the numbers from last week, and we just want to say welcome to our many new listeners. We're so excited to have you as part of the VU Hoops family and listening to State of the Nova Nation. And with that, that'll do it for us here on the State of the Nova Nation. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at S-O-N-N-Pod. Subscribe to the show on iTunes. Follow us on Spotify. And check out VUHoops.com for plenty of articles to keep you up to date on the Wildcats. But that'll do it for us. And Nova Nation, that's a wrap.